Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. In this AudioPie podcast on great expectations, I shall address the idea of what home means to Pip. As he turns his back on it and only seems to understand its value once it has gone forever. As Pip prepares himself for his move to London, he thinks that he can shed his past life and start again. Great expectations will allow him to forge a new identity for himself. Having felt that he had become shamefully involved with the wretched convict on the marshes, and that this was part of his being, coarse and common, as Estella had told him, he believes that a move to the urban centre of England, the financial capital, London, will allow him to become a new man. When he strolls out alone on the last Sunday before setting off for London in chapter 19, Pip proposes to finish off the marshes at once and get them done with. As he passes the church and graveyard, he recalls that if I had often thought before, with something allied to shame, of my companionship, with the fugitive whom I had once seen limping among those graves, what were my thoughts on this Sunday when the place recalled the wretch, ragged and shivering with his felon iron and badge? My comfort was that it happened a long time ago and that he had doubtless been transported a long way off, and that he was dead to me, and might veritably be dead into the bargain. In the short chapter 14, Pip had referred to becoming ashamed of home, and he recognised this as being a most miserable thing. Home had never been a very pleasant place to me because of my sister's temper. But Joe had sanctified it, and I believed in it. I had believed in the best parlour as the most elegant saloon. I had believed in the front door as a mysterious portal of the Temple of State, whose solemn opening was attended with the sacrifice of roast fowls. I had believed in the kitchen as a chaste, though not magnificent, apartment. I had believed in the forge as the glowing road to manhood and independence. Within a single year, all this was changed. As Pip becomes used to living as a young man of great expectations, he notices how in some ways his personality is changing and is compelled to recognise that it was not all 
good. At the beginning of chapter 34, I lived in a state of chronic uneasiness respecting my behaviour to Joe, and my conscience was not by any means comfortable about Biddy. I used to think with a weariness in my spirits that I should have been happier and better if I'd never seen Miss Havisham's face and had risen to manhood content to be partners with Joe in the honest old forge. The glowing light of the past home on which he has turned his back in his pursuit of the cold and distant brightness of a star. Estella offers a warm memory to Pip. Many a time of an evening, when I sat alone looking at the fire, I thought, after all, there was no fire like the forge fire and the kitchen fire at home. This growing awareness of his own unhappiness and dissatisfaction with his great expectations offers a clear contrast with the closing lines of chapter 14 when he describes how he is working in the forge and dreads that, in some unlucky hour, I, being at my grimiest and commonest, should lift up my eyes and see Estella looking in at one of the windows of the forge. After that, when we went in to supper, the place and the meal would have a more homely look than ever, and I will feel more ashamed of home than ever in my own ungracious breast. After the elusive bubble of his great expectations has been burst, and Herbert Pocket, Pip's faithful friend, has set off in chapter 55 for a life of modest and careful work in the East, Building up a future for himself and his proposed new wife, Clara, Pip goes back to his rooms in the temple. I went into a coffee house to write a little note to Clara, telling her he had gone off, sending his love to her over and over again, and then went to my lonely home, if it deserved the name for it was now no home to me, and I had no home anywhere. His rooms in the Temple area of London, a bachelor's accommodation for a young man about town, had become an alien place ever since Pip had received that little note of warning from Wemmick that closes Chapter 45. Don't go home! and he spends the night in the sordid lodging house known as the Hummums in Covent Garden, where a bed was always to be got at any hour of the night. When Joe comes to look after Pip in his illness, in chapter 57, Pip recognises his voice and asks, Is it Joe? And the dear old home voice answered, which it are, old chap. The tenderness of the man who'd always tried to do his best for the young Pip was so beautifully proportioned to my need that I was like a child in his hands.
He would sit and talk to me in the old confidence and with the old simplicity and in the old unassertive protecting way so that I would half believe that all my life since the days of the old kitchen was one of the mental troubles of the fever that was gone. Pip returns to the marshes and the forge in chapter 58, feeling like one who was toiling home barefoot from distant travel and whose wanderings had lasted many years. However, the realism of this novel is unavoidable. One can never go back only forward. He arrives just in time to give a blessing to Joe and Biddy on their recent marriage and to look at my old little room and rest there a few minutes by myself. At this point, I recommend that you listen to podcast eight, which gives an account of the two different endings that Dickens wrote for this novel of great expectations. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.